Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Football season begins Thursday, September the 2nd, as the Mox open the season against Austin P. And we kick off our buildup to the start of the season with three great guests. The fan experience at Mox Home Games is among the best in FCS football, and we're going to find out what's new from the people who put it all together. Andrew Horton joins us first. Andrew is the Deputy Athletic Director for External Operations. We're going to talk tailgating and the party in the pavilion and a lot more. Andrew Horton is on Mox on the Mic. Let's kind of start with with game day, and, and I don't necessarily mean so much about this year, Andrew, but you're a guy that's been here now um, in administration for a while. You can remember what it used to be like. Uh, we've come a long way in regards to game day atmosphere and festivities and all that sort of thing that, that goes on pregame uh, in the last, what would you say, the last decade or so? Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, we've um, – I think that our staff has really put an emphasis on the atmosphere around the game. You know, you can't really control the outcome on the field. And so we know we're going to have a great product uh, in terms of football program, but what else can we do, uh, you know, around pregame, postgame, you know, those kinds of things, in-game elements. Um, So pregame in the pavilion, you know, that, that venue is second to none. I mean, I, I don't know of anywhere else that has a spot like that to where that we can animate. We're covered from the elements. Um, so we'll put uh, – our, our staff right now is working on this. We'll put inflatables, um, games that folks can um, engage with, uh, giant Jenga, uh, you know, hopefully some putt-putt, some, some TVs, uh, uh, you know, just have a uh, crafts area, things that kids and, and – uh, Folks of all ages can come by and, and enjoy uh, pregame, not to mention the, the mock walk that kicks it off with the, the, the team walking through and our coaches, uh, the spirit parade that ends it, uh, the party in the pavilion, as we call it. Um, so um, we, we're, in addition to that, this year, moving our hospitality area out there to the pavilion just to animate it even more and, and have more folks you know, join us uh, pregame in that area. Um, you know, thanks to EPB, you know, we've added uh, over 41, I think, television uh, outlets um, with their service that, that folks, when they do rent those spaces, you know, not only do they have cover from the elements, but they also have power and, and television uh, to watch some of the other games that are on. So um, I, I, you really can't find or beat, rather, you know, that space uh, on a pregame. Um, you know, we tried to take that, Chris, and, and that mentality and figure out how do you do, how do you put it inside uh, on the concourse, on the, on the plaza areas. I and mean, we've, we've added some hospitality areas, but um, some of those interactive zones and how do you get kids? I mean, the Hill is fantastic. Kids love the Hill. So, but how do you, how do you continue that? Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things that we're hoping to work on, you know, what, how do we bring some of that party in the pavilion pregame and, and try to bring it into the game? Uh, so folks can still have something to do, you know, when they're, they're not necessarily watching uh, the action on the field. And the pavilion is open to everybody, right? Absolutely. Uh, it opens two and a half hours prior, uh, closes down about about 45 minutes prior. You know, we're, <clears throat> we're getting the uh, spirit teams more involved with that interactive area uh, to help us with those crafts table. That's something that, uh, you know, we, we have done before with um, some of our basketball previews that we've had in October. Um, so how do we get them involved in, in helping some of the uh, guests in that area, you know, to, to draw posters to support the mocks or face tattoos or, or stickers and, uh, just to really be engaged, have an area for scrapping that, you know, they can take photos with. And um, so it's, it's open to everybody. Anybody can walk through and, and enjoy it. And hopefully everybody's there to help cheer the team as they walk through. Now, what about the covered tailgating spots? So th- those are all the same. It's all inside there um, in that big party in the pavilion that we mentioned. So as you walk in that pavilion, you know, you'll have our recruiting area for football. You'll have 
uh, our hospitality area for our donors, the hospitality area for our sponsors um, that are all being coordinated in that two and a half hour window. And then in the back of that space are private tailgating, I would say, for, for lack of a better word, that um, folks could uh, purchase on a game-by-game -game basis or a season basis and have tables and chairs placed, have that power, have that, that television service all there for them when they arrive. They, they come in, they drop their stuff off, go park in the uh, pavilion parking lot, and then they just tailgate. Uh, they don't have to worry about the weather. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're covered at that point. They've kind of got that, that front row seat, um, for these, these, uh, for the mock walk coming through. And, um, you know, you really can't beat the value, uh, for, for what they're getting. Uh, I believe that that total is right around the 5,000 on the season, uh, 1500 per game it couples with the Mox club. Um, so it really gives them the access to be a Mox club member as well. So, uh, but for that season-long package, each space is 19 feet by 29 feet wide. Uh, so plenty of room to, to be in there and spread out with your group. Now, what about other tailgating around the stadium? Yeah, so so the North Lot is our largest parking lot. Um, the North Lot has about 600 parking spaces. It's, it's really on a first-come, first-served basis. Uh, tickets are, are, are passes are $10 a spot there. Uh, we'll have folks come in and, and buy their spot. I think you can buy an additional spot uh, if, you, if you like and, and have your tailgate right there um, together. Uh, so we'll have folks that spread out there in their spaces, but also to spread out in the grassy areas around. Um, again, really on a first come, first serve basis. So um, that's all uh, completely open to the public. Uh, that's probably the, the biggest area for, for public tailgating, so to speak. Um, you know, we do have some other lots like the, the VIP lot on the South side that has a 293 spaces that are half of them are, are, uh, uh, scheduled for, or, or uh, held for skybox holders. Um, and then the other half is, is our Mox club donors. You know, we, we prioritize all parking lots, uh, based on Mox club giving and priority point system that we have. So we start there and then we work through the pavilion spaces that we have. And then if we have to, we'll overflow into the North lot, but um, you can really tailgate anywhere you want, but I would tell you the North lot's probably the, um, the preferred spot for, for fans. I don't want to ask you to give away all your secrets because I know you guys have, uh, have some surprises that will come up during the season, but you know, the couple of things that I have always thought that have been uh, really unique and cool uh, inside the pavilion has been uh, wrestling coming out and putting on an exhibition to kind of kick their season off. Basketball has done the same thing in years past. Are we going to see more of that this year? You know, I, I hope so. So we just hired a new assistant AD for marketing promotion, uh, Ashley Aletto. So we're really excited to have her and Aaron Fordyce, who uh, has been on staff here for the last couple of years, but um, has now joined us in a full-time role uh, to help us activate those areas a little bit more and bring those ideas. Um, we have thrown out the basketball idea and, and thanks to uh, uh, Craters here in town, we were able to do that uh, for a few years and that, that was really fun. Um, but definitely trying to figure out ways to get our programs to really leverage those football games and the attendance and the crowd that's there to help promote their program uh, and try to get those fans to also come over to, to see their, their sports. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to look for those opportunities and how to animate those, uh, albeit, you know, whether it's different interactive games, things that maybe we haven't done before, um, or trying to do something that's on a much larger scale, like the blue and gold match inside there, or the blue and gold game, or, um, some kind of, uh, you know, exhibition. So uh, those things, while nothing confirmed just yet for the season, definitely not off the table. Um, you know, we, we've been really focused on, this first game uh, and hometown heroes night um, and then trying to figure out what all that entails. And then moving into that, we got a month break after that for our next home football game. Um, so how do we, how do we take that first game, really blow it up and then try to uh, convert those folks that attended that game into maybe mini plant holders, uh, you know, repeat single game buyers and come back for game two. What can you tell us about what's going to happen inside 
Finley Stadium this year from a from a fan experience standpoint? Sure. So, you know, for us, gates opened up 90 minutes prior. Um, So the stadium club this year, uh, we've taken our hospitality area that's normally in the stadium club and we've moved that over into the pavilion. So pregame Moss Club hospitality will be in the pavilion this year. But the stadium club will be open to all donors of a specific level and above. Uh, And then on the plaza area, uh, we'll actually introduce the touchdown terrace. We, We did so in the spring. And our Mox Club development folks are, are going to have that area as well as a uh, tents placed above that folks can gather underneath who are at a Mox Club, a specific level of giving uh, to the annual fund. Uh, and it can enjoy the game and, and beverages and, and food up in that area and, and watch from right above the locker room areas. Um, we, we are continuing on with our hospitality tents, which are located underneath the scoreboard. Um, so we'll have four of those placed. Uh, that are available on a season or single game basis. Again, great opportunity to host. Uh, if you're a business organization or individual, we've, we've seen it all down there. Uh, you receive 25 tickets uh, for the area. And then you also get tables, chairs. Uh, it's open to the front, uh, the ability to have some food brought in down there um, and really enjoy the game from that end zone area with your group. So, you know, coupled with, the game itself, um, you know, and some of those interactive things that we're trying to move from inside the pavilion to try to figure out, can we put an inflatable out on the hill and, uh, or off the top of the hill, rather? You know, can we do some of those things? Can we have some picture areas? You know, you're going to have a – we have a new marching band director, uh, Randall Coleman, who's come to us from University of Alabama. We're very excited to have, and they've already grown the band, I believe, by twice the size from what I've heard. Uh, so we're, we're very excited about the direction there. Um, the ladies of gold will be in the stands. You'll have cheer and dance on the field, returning to the field. Um, the first game is going to be the flock, uh, where the uh, uh, freshmen and sophomores will flock uh, thinly, and they'll run out onto the field through the tunnel like we have historically, up into their seats, and then take in the action. So um, those are some of the things that we're, we're planning from a hospitality event. You know, every – Concession stand will be open on the north side, uh, or I'm sorry, the south side, uh, the home side of the stands. We'll open up one on the visitor side of the stands, um, and, and we'll hopefully have a great season. Yeah, the flock is a uh, the flock is a great idea. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure where that that came from, but uh, not only is it really great to to watch, it's uh, I know it's got to be a thrill for those kids to get that opportunity to run through like that. Oh, absolutely. You know, that we, we've done freshmen every year, and obviously last year due to COVID, we, we did not um, do the, 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 the freshman flock, Finland, um, the Mox flock. And so um, this year we're, we're incorporating sophomores as well. Uh, and so, you know, it could be upwards of, of six, 700, depending on how many, you know, choose to run through. Uh, so we're, we're very excited. It'll, it'll be, it'll take some work on the front end to get down there and, and make it all happen, but it really is a neat experience to see that. Uh, as I mentioned, so the first game's hometown heroes night where we want to honor and recognize first responders, our medical personnel, um, you know, firefighters, police, uh, you know, uh, nurses and, and really recognize them for, for all that they do for our community. So that'll be game one where, you know, they'll be able to get, uh, a free general mission ticket with a valid ID uh, and then discounted tickets for uh, family guests that they purchased. Um, and then we're, we're working on some on-field recognitions there as well uh, for that game. And so we're, we're pretty excited to kind of kick off with that. Uh, game two is going to be band day. So you're going to have the March and Mox band day. Um, and that'll be where, uh, you know, again, the, the new director, Randall Coleman, and has been working to uh, partner with high schools and, students to, to come to campus and um, perform there at Finley Stadium at halftime. Uh, I believe that will also be our whiteout game um, that we'll be doing uh, versus Western. Uh, the, the third game versus ETSU, the rivalry series is back, which is always fun. Uh, ETSU is always a great rival. Uh, rolling into Furman with homecoming is going to be a huge event. I know there's a lot planned for homecoming this year, um, so we're excited about that. And ending with Military Appreciation Day, We've got a lot in the works. We're, we're trying to bring that back around to when you remember it, you know, years ago. 
uh, you know, and how do we involve uh, local branches and, and uh, guards and, and our, our ROTC itself. So it's, yeah, we got, we got a lot in, in queue. All right. Uh, before we let you go, uh, single game tickets are on sale right now for, uh, for football. If folks want to want to grab a pair of tickets and, and show up at, at Finley Stadium on September the 2nd for the opening, uh, the season opener, what do they need to do? So it's very easy. So season tickets are on sale right now. The low is $40. Single game tickets are on sale for $10 uh, and up, depending on where you want to sit. So we, we really streamlined our ticket prices. To, there, there's two. You know, you can send a chair back. You can send a GA. Um, and so to, to buy tickets, simply visit gomox.com and, and follow along the buy links tab or call our box office uh, at 266-MOX between the hours of 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. And, and the customer representative will be happy to help. Andrew, thanks for the time. We'll do this again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Andrew for joining us. Andrew mentioned the marching mocks, and we were able to get a few minutes with new Chattanooga Band Director, Randall Coleman. Bring us up to date a little bit on uh, what the band has been up to this summer. Well, it's been a kind of a hectic, fast and furious last couple of weeks. We just finished uh, on last Friday night our band camp week, which uh, the students started coming into class uh, or coming into campus uh, about a week and a half ago. Checked in early and, and we started uh, to work and had five full days of three a days uh, out on the practice field and uh, some inside as well. Um, but uh, they've been working really hard to perfect a new pregame show and uh, also our halftime show. So we can have uh, as much of it as possible ready to uh, debut uh, on September 2nd at the opening game. Now, how much will you guys uh, have ready, in particular the halftime show? Will, it, hoping, will everything be in by that point? We're hoping so. There could be a few little surprises that we save for uh, maybe the second game. But we're hoping that uh, we're hoping that we have everything on and ready to go by September second. How many members in the marching band? Well, when I got here, uh, I think the last couple of years membership had dwindled down to about thirty. Um, because of COVID last year had a huge impact on, uh, on all the performing arts, uh, and it dwindled down pretty, pretty low. And, uh, right now we're at 70. So we've kind of doubled in one year. So we're really happy about that. And, uh, the future looks really bright, uh, to, to continue to grow the band in numbers for sure. Where would you like to be? What's the ideal number for Chattanooga? Um, well, you look at the universities that we play in in conference, and and there's a couple that are kind of outliers that have uh, gigantic bands uh, for for the size school that we are. But but the ones that are you know kind of the the median, you're looking at probably around 150 to 200, I would say uh, that that would um, you know kind of be a fair representative of the student body. Uh, but you know it, the the band numbers didn't happen overnight to shrink so it's going to take several years to build those numbers back and you know we're starting uh, opening a conversation with the the high school and middle school band directors here in our immediate area uh, but there's also you know within a two-hour drive from Chattanooga you're in some pretty uh, rich areas for high school band programs so uh, we've made a, a lot of contact with those programs and it's just you know changing the narrative and it's going to it's going to take a while but, um, you know, I think everything so far since I've been here, um, I started July 1, uh, everything has been really positive. The energy is, is high. So, um, you know, we're hoping that this will happen sooner rather than later. You're coming here from Alabama. What was it about this job that uh, in Chattanooga that led you to want to leave uh, Tuscaloosa? Well, I, I get that question a lot. And, uh, you know, it was um, an incredibly wonderful time in Tuscaloosa. I was there uh, 14 years. My first year at uh, Alabama was Coach Saban's first year. So it was quite a ride uh, the time that, that I was there. And I, I love the time there. Um, but, you know, this is my 40th year teaching. I'm starting year 40. And uh, so I wanted that uh, one more challenge, so to speak. And uh, this is such a great area. It's a great city. And, you know, like I said before, the, the geographic location 
uh, of our university with all the tradition rich high school band programs in our area. Um, I just really think there's a chance to make something really special here. And, um, you know, I'd like to, to get it back on track and get it going in the right trajectory. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a few years down the road, then we'll, we'll consider going to the beach full time. <laughs> Take us through what's, what your responsibilities are, um, in terms of your role, what all actually do you handle? Um, well, if it's, uh, related in any way to the band, I pretty much handle it. Uh, one of the big differences at, at University of Alabama, there were four full-time band directors and one full-time dedicated operations director uh, that uh, that managed the program. And, uh, you know, now there's me. So uh, I'm doing a little bit of everything from rehearsing the music and teaching the drill and movements uh, to ordering shoes and t-shirts and uh, baseball caps. And, you know, so pretty much everything related to the band in any way, uh, I, I, it's my responsibility. Um, so, you know, we, I depend heavily on a lot of uh, good student leadership to, to take care of some of the things. Um, but, but basically it's right now a one man show. <laughs> so what about uniforms? Um, I, I think we've seen it in college athletics here over the last, uh, I don't know what, maybe over the last decade where it feels like the the traditional band uniform that we had all grown up and had gotten accustomed to had kind of started to go by the wayside. Is that going to be the case here with UTC? What are we going to see? Well, the um, you know, a lot of that has to do with the influence of uh, drum and bugle corps. Drum corps DCI has has had a huge influence on the activity from uh, every aspect and, and costuming and uniforms is one of those. Um, I think one of the things that I tell my students who participate in the drum corps activity in the summer is it's, it's a wonderful activity. It's a fantastic educational experience, but it's different than a college marching band. So when, when you come back to the college, we have one student uh, in the band here at UTC that just finished a summer tour with one of the premier groups. And, uh, you know, it, it's just understanding that it's two different activities. They're related, but they're two different activities and they have uh, almost two different audiences. So there's a lot of tradition that's involved in, in collegiate marching bands and most of those college marching bands uh, have some tie to those traditions. So as we look at a, a new uniform, I mean, you're, you're not going to see the band in a costume, so to speak, like you would maybe with some of those drum corps and some of the high school bands that are that are into that um, that heavy duty competition cycle. Uh, you're going to see, you know, the traditions of the, the power C still there, the school colors still there. Uh, but then we also have to think about if we're recruiting high school students from those good programs, you know, you can't have the uh, uniforms that were popular in the 70s and 80s. So it's almost like finding a, a good middle area there where you can, you can still honor the traditions of the university, but be attractive to uh, the students that are coming out of these high school programs right now. And uh, luckily, uh, you know, we're looking at a new uniform uh, for next fall, hopefully to have everything in place by next fall. And uh, we have great designers working with us. And, and you know, we're, we've seen a first try at it and we've made some suggestions back. So, you know, that, that process is happening and we're going to try to be right on the cutting edge of where a lot of the, the popular university bands are with that. Now, you talk about uh, you know, attracting kids from high schools that, that want to uh, participate in the marching band at UTC. How does that go? Because I know there's some moms and dads that, that listen to this podcast that may have a high school age son or daughter that might be in the marching band that might like to become a, uh, a band member at UTC. What needs to happen? Well, um, you know, we try to make a program, first of all, that's attractive to them, that, that looks enjoyable because it is a lot of work. You have to, you know, work really hard uh, for those, the, the time in the summer before classes start. Uh, and then also it is a class. They do, they do take band as a class and they get credit toward their degree uh, for taking the class. And it's a little bit odd in that respect where it's an activity, it's a group, um, you know, on campus, but it's also an academic class uh, that is even required 
for uh, for some of our students major for their degree. They have to they have to be in a class. So you know we want to be attractive to those students and provide a program that that they would feel good being a part of. And that's kind of our first step right now is, is making sure the quality and caliber of our performances are attractive to them. And, and then talking to parents, you know, I just want them to know that, um, you know, this is a great activity for especially incoming freshmen to make sure they stay a part of because it instantly gives them a family on campus. They instantly have, you know, uh, everybody in band is their friend and they're going to look out after them and uh, make sure that all those things are taken care of from where's the best place to buy groceries to what happens if I have a flat tire? Where do I, where do I go? What happens next? So, you know, it's always good to have that community and that family uh, when, when you're going to college and the band provides that for a lot of, a lot of students for sure. Now, is there scholarship opportunities available? There, there are. You get paid to be in the marching band here, which is a really great thing. Each student will get a stipend uh, at the end of the season if they complete uh, all the requirements of the class um, at a satisfactory level. And that amount goes up the longer you stay in the band. So there's a base amount for our freshmen. And if you come back for a second year, it increases. The third year, it increases. And then uh, if you're in for four or some students uh, are able to stay in for five years, uh, then it's even a little bit more. So that's something that's uh, the, a little bit unique. Uh, a lot of colleges provide some type of service award, uh, but we're talking about our students would get maybe four or five, six hundred dollars, even up to a thousand dollars for participating in the band. And when you compare that to the University of Alabama, where I just left, those students got $75, no matter what. Everybody got 75. So, um, you know, we, we have some really neat opportunities. And if they're a music major, there's all kind of separate scholarships and awards uh, from, from our Department of Music and uh, Performing Arts Department. So there's a lot of opportunities uh, to help financially. I mean, it's not a tremendous amount when you're comparing it to what tuition is these days, but it's one or two textbooks, you know, that we can take care of. So, uh, you know, it, any, anything is a help, I'm sure. Now, what is the, I don't want to ask what the difference is because I kind of know the difference, but when will you guys start looking at the pep band then for basketball? Well, we actually have a, uh, one of the things that I did this summer was kind of redesigned how the pep band functions uh, within our program. Uh, we do in the fall, uh, provide a pep group for our volleyball team at some of the volleyball matches. And those start up pretty quickly. As a matter of fact, I just had an email from the coach this morning. Uh, and, and we're looking at our schedule for that, where we can provide a group that'll play at some of the volleyball matches. Uh, and then we're going to audition for the pep band that actually is a class uh, in the spring semester uh, that'll play at the, the basketball games. And, and we'll audition for that class in October. And uh, then those students will uh, be ready to go as soon as the basketball season gets underway. So, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a never ending cycle. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going from one part of the season to the other uh, while the other season's still going on. So uh, it's always an exciting time. Do you have a lot of students that do both? We do. And, and it's pretty much, um, there, there's very few students that would just do pep band. I know that has been a thing in the past, but, uh, I, I want to kind of organize things so that the marching band is the, the bigger group. And from that marching band membership, then we, we, uh, we pick our members of the pep band that function in the spring. Any idea on the numbers you'd like to see in a pep band? Well, it's, uh, it's kind of an odd thing you have to consider because that group typically travels with the teams to their tournaments and the conference has limits on how many people can travel. So, um, you know, that has to have an impact on it. So, you know, we don't want to get too many more than what would actually be allowed to, to travel, uh, because then you're in a question of who, who gets to travel, you know, uh, who do we leave behind, so to speak. So, you know, we'll outfit the band with that in mind, uh, that number in mind, and then have some, some extras that, of course, can play here at McKenzie at, at all the events there. You know, we're, we're not really limited by a number there. But uh, it does become problematic if that group is so big and then how you pick who gets to go on those uh, those more fun kind of overnight trips with the with the basketball team. So, you know, you're probably looking at 40 to 50 people that might play in McKenzie and then 
if it's the same number, it's usually at those tournaments, it's around 30 that they allow uh, to go to the tournaments. And that includes uh, a director, any kind of staff, I mean, 30 bodies. So, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty small number. And so, you know, you don't want to get a hundred uh, in the group and then have to pick a, a really small group, you know, to go. So, you know, we kind of keep that in mind as we set the numbers for pep band. You talk about uh, working on the the halftime show. You guys will also have some, uh, you know, I, I call them standards. Like I think there's some standards uh, stand music mm-hmm. that uh, you guys will play from the stands. Uh, who goes about setting that up? Who determines what gets played? Uh, that'd be me. <laughs> uh, but one of the first things when uh, when my hire was official back in the spring. Uh, one of the first things I did was had a Zoom meeting with our student leadership team, uh, the elected leaders of the band. And that was one of the first questions I asked is like, OK, which, you know, what of our stands tunes uh, are those that have to stay that the, the crowd likes, the community expects. So uh, they filled me in really quickly on those. And, uh, you know, the uh, most of that's not all of those will be back in the fall at some point. And uh you know, that's that's an important thing to make sure that we, again, kind of honor those traditions that the the uh, community and the, the student body and the folks at the game, the fans want to hear from the band. How important is it? I mean, you're dealing with college kids now. How important is it for you to kind of work in some of the uh, more mainstream, more top 40 type stuff into the act? Because. I mean, I grew up, you know, as a kid in the 80s and and everybody played Barbara Ann, right? The Beach Boys song. That was what, mm-hmm. you know, that was like the staple for a high school band. You had to be able to play Barbara Ann. You know, now I'm hearing, you know, whether it's Alicia Keys or whatever coming out of uh, coming out of these groups. How do you guys go about determining, hey, this will work from a, you know, if it's a, a you know, a top 40 song that's right. that's popular, how do you go about determining this, this, we can make this work? Well, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, you have to have permission to play all those tunes from the copyright owner of those tunes. Copyright is a huge deal. And uh, so you can't just say, oh, I like this tune on the radio, I'm going to write it out and, and we're going to play it. Uh, so, you know, you have to have something that has been cleared for a copyright and you, you know, there are music stores where you can go and, and buy arrangements of, you know, popular pieces that arrangers have done and those are clear for copyright. So that's kind of a starting point, uh, because if you find something that, that you want to have arranged specifically for our band, then we have to go through a process of obtaining the permission from the owners of the copyright to do that. Uh, we, we can't perform anything that, that we don't have copyright permission uh, to play the piece. And, and even some of the old standards that, uh, that we're working into pregame, like Chattanooga Choo Choo, we have to have permission from the copyright owner of that tune to play it at halftime. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really important. So we start from that list of what's available. You know, what are the current tunes that are available and, and, and able for us to purchase to play sounds expensive uh it can be (laughs) it can be um because and and you know it we just went for so long with uh, that kind of being ignored and in the last probably 10-15 years uh it's really become a priority to make sure that everybody has proper copyright clearance before you 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 try to perform a song so all of our music for instance for halftime uh has been arranged especially for our band. We have an arranger that, that writes just for us. I don't, I don't go to that store and buy the music that we play at halftime. We have somebody that does that for us, but the first thing I had to do was obtain copyright clearance for all the, the music that we're playing in halftime. Yeah. And that, I'd imagine that that arrangement uh, is based upon the makeup of your marching band, exactly. right? I mean, if you're, exactly. you know, if you're heavier in one section, then that has to be taken into account by whoever does the arrangements, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's the first thing. Uh, back in early June, I had a uh, face-to-face meeting with our arranger. And, you know, and it was really difficult this first time because I would not met the students yet. Uh, and it's like, okay, how, you know, those things you were talking about, 
which section do we need to feature, which section do we need to help and those kind of things. And we just kind of had to shoot for the middle. And, uh, and then once we got in and playing it, of course, I can reach out to, to him and he can redo some things for us. Uh, and he has a couple of things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really important. That's why it's great to have your own arranger because they can highlight your strengths and kind of find ways to help num the, the sections that you may want to try to strengthen a little bit uh, before they become a featured section. Well, Randall, thanks so much for the time. You guys, uh, you know, the Chattanooga Marching Band's always done such a great job and adds so much to that game day atmosphere, whether it's football or, or basketball. Uh, look forward to, to seeing and, and hearing you guys again soon. Well, thank you very much for the invite. And it's uh, been my honor to be here. And we're very excited uh, about the future of the band program here. Last but not least, we can't forget about the men and the women who cheer the mocks on each and every game. Ashley Skiles heads up the mocks cheerleaders and the sugar mocks. And she joins us this week on mocks on the mic. How tough was last year? for you guys? Um, I feel last year was pretty tough on my athletes. Um, you know, it was always like a hit or miss thing if kids were going to be quarantined or been exposed or actually have COVID. And, um, you know, we just weren't used to not having everybody out of practice or an event, you know, though it was slim to none, um, last year due to unfortunately the pandemic, but, um, it was just really hard. It was hard to bond as a group and as a team because we couldn't have more than so many people in the practice room at a time. So um, it was kind of limited and it was, it was frustrating at times. Now, how many different cheer teams does UTC have? Is it the same group for football and for basketball? Yes, it is. Um, we have one team, um, for football. And then when basketball gets here, we divide half and half. Um, one, cause there's nowhere to put 25 people on the sidelines for basketball, you know, just because of the size of the court and the area that we have, but two, it kind of gives them time off to study, go to events if they want to, you know, have, have some type of a personal life outside of cheer and dance. What is a, a week in the life of a Chattanooga cheerleader like like we, we know what what the you know the football team goes through we we know what the basketball team goes through but you know these guys and girls uh, they they put in a lot of time and a lot of hours in addition to carrying a, a heavy academic load right right so um we practice three days a week um usually Monday Wednesdays and Fridays and those are about two two and a half hours long um but aside from just normal practices, we also have games. And football games happen to just be on Saturday, which is great. But basketball game can be pretty much any day of the week. Um, so it, you know, varies what season it is, what we're doing. Um, but aside from that, we do a lot of community events. Like we did the Hamilton County Backpack event this past Saturday. And um, we just ask for volunteers, but most of the kids want to volunteer for things like that. Um, we have an upcoming pep rally at one of the local schools that we're going to help that doesn't have a cheer program, but has a football team. And they kind of want to kick their season and their school season off uh, with us um, doing that. But we're out in the community a whole lot. We do campus activities like this Friday, we have convocations. So the teams are already here, moved on campus. We have practice on Thursday, convocation on Friday. Um, we're pretty much busy all the time, um, you know, but again, I, I do give them time off for things that they want to do. You know, you give them those few days off and it really helps get them rest and rejuvenated for the next day. <laughs> Where do you get those shoes? Can I get a pair of those shoes? Those shoes with the power C on them? <laughs> I, I want a pair of those. Okay. Well, I guess it depends what size you are. Cause they only uh, go to a certain size, but I ordered those from varsity and actually a really good friend of mine is the shoe um, guy there, guru there is what I call him. Um, he's a good friend of mine and cheered at Kentucky. And um, he does a lot of our choreography for our nationals routines and things like that. Um, but we'll check on getting you a pair if you tell me what size you need. <laughs> so tell me about, you mentioned that the competitions that you guys do, because this is more than just, 
you know, showing up for football and basketball games. I mean, there is a competition level for you guys. Talk about that. Uh, where all will you guys be going this year? How many events will you be taking part in? Okay. So um, at the college level, you're actually only allowed to compete at one national level um, competition, and we choose UCA, which is Universal Cheerleading Association, and UDA, which is Universal Dance Association. I coach both cheer and dance, so have to throw uh, out props to both teams. But uh, we compete normally uh, over MLK weekend in Orlando, Florida at Disney World, Wild, Wild World of Sports. And um, normally we go down a few days before we compete and we compete usually on a Friday night. And um, if you make finals, you either compete again later that day or the next day. It just kind of depends on what their schedule and how their schedule falls. Um, but we practice in addition to what we're normally doing to prepare for that. So um, it's a select group of team members that we choose from both cheer and dance, and we go down together and compete um, as one group in a game day division there. And um, it's a lot of fun. It's great. It's a great way to represent UTC, um, you know, get our name out there, hopefully get some more kids recruited into the Chattanooga area. So is it anything like the movie Bring It On? <laughs> my daughters love that movie. So is there a little drama and some chiffiness? I mean, is there somebody out there you guys just don't like? Um, you know, not really. I just feel like I, those movies are great and fun. And, you know, they're also a little silly when it comes to looking at cheerleading and what we are actually doing, you know, but uh, those movies are very entertaining. I loved those when I was younger, you know, and so did my daughter, you know, but um. It's really not that way. Really, everybody, when you get to the national level, even though you're competing against everyone for that number one spot in the nation in your division, everybody is supportive of everybody. And that's what makes cheerleading and dance um, in our area so great. And when we go there, you know, everybody's out there rooting for you to do the best that you can do. And that's what's great about the cheerleading world. So you handle cheerleading and the sugar mocks? I do. That is, to me now, that is the most, you know, short of maybe our, our athletic program in, in, you know, men's basketball and, and football, the sugar mocks may be the most iconic organization on campus to me. I mean, that is going back to, uh, you know, when I was – coming to games as a kid and then as a college student here i mean the sugar mocks that if you were a sugar mock that was a big deal now back in the 90s oh yeah it definitely still is you know i, I think a lot of people really look at cheer and dance and think oh that's easy i can do that and they don't really realize uh, all the skill and technique and the time and effort they have to put into you know, making their routines what they are, you know, performing at football games on timeouts and sidelines and events, but halftime at basketball games, I mean, that's the best way to showcase those dancers, and I'm, they're phenomenal. I mean, their work ethic is just unbelievable. What's amazing is how they memorize those routines, and it, they, they're required to get those things down pretty quick. I mean, you don't have a lot of time from when you introduce it until you're doing it in front of people and it's got to be flawless and their ability to be able to, to memorize the routines in such a short amount of time that I, I would be lost. <laughs> sometimes I, I think about that myself, you know, sometimes we only have like two or three days in between, you know, we try to do a different routine at every halftime of the men's basketball games. Um, and we do go to the women's games and perform at a lot of those as well. Um, so sometimes that's, you know, between nine and 12 routines that they're learning for a season, you know, and it doesn't maybe seem like, oh, it's not that much. But when you look at the fact that, you know, they're also doing their timeout material, which is totally different than a halftime routine, you know, and, and then the skill level that's in those halftime routines is just phenomenal. But I mean, like I said, they have such a great work ethic. Um, they come in here, they really get the job done and they're pushing and, you know, 
sometimes they might say, hey, coach, we need extra practice. When can we come in? And sometimes we'll come in like three or four hours before a ball game or we'll come in on a Sunday to prepare for a game on Monday. You know, there's always extra time that we have to possibly throw in throughout the season. So now is the event you guys perform at the Nationals, is that one that you have worked uh, during a halftime or is it a completely separate routine that you guys put together just for Nationals? So it's actually a completely different um, routine that we uh, put on for Nationals. However, we'll take bits and pieces and work on that um, at a ball game or perform at a ball game. So there's three elements to our game day division. You have to perform your team fight song. You have to perform a offense or defensive chant. And then you have to do what's called a timeout. And these are called live when we're there um, by the MC. He will say, you know, hey, there's a timeout on the field. Uh, Welcome to the field, your Chattanooga Monks. And we know that's our timeout routine, which involves like baskets and pyramids and signs and, you know, like a band chant, you know, like Go Big Blue or, you know, We Are the Monks, you know, things like that. And then we perform our traditional fight song. Um, that's usually like, hey, you've scored a touchdown and, you know, or welcome to the field, your home team, the Chattanooga Monks, and they play the fight song. And then they'll call something like, you know, um, the defense needs to make a stop here on the two-yard line, and, you know, that's a defensive cheer, or they'll do something that, you know, is an offensive cheer. So everything's kind of called live. So it, it is – they are elements that we will work on the sidelines and that we do um, because the best way to know how you're going to perform and how to see what's going to happen is – you got to do it in front of a live audience. You can't just always do it at practice. I mean, practice makes permanent, um, but doing it at a ball game to see what's the reaction going to be, what's going to happen, you know, are the lights going to be in my face at this? It could be at nationals, you know, just different things like that. So, um, but we put all three elements together, together at nationals. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot Listen, of I get <laughs> I, I get lost doing a 30 second TikTok video with my, my daughters. I couldn't even, I, I can't even imagine. Now, how do you go about putting your team together every year? How do you, how do you find, because uh, you're always having to replace because of graduation, you've got to replace some sugar mocks. You got to replace some cheerleaders. What's that process? So we do um, what's called, um, recruiting clinics, one in the fall, one in the spring. Um, it's nothing official because we're not through the NCAA. We're not considered a sport, which is perfectly fine because I know different. Um, but we do that where we invite individuals to come in and learn some of our material, come and work with our team members, our current team members. And it gives them an opportunity, one, to take a look at the campus and see if they like it, and two, see if they kind of fit in with us because, you know, we want people that, fit in and, and feel welcomed and things like that. So we do one in the fall, one in the spring, and then we usually host tryouts over Easter weekend. We host them on a, the Thursday night before Good Friday and on Good Friday and, and the Saturday before Easter. Uh, one, I like that time because you know everybody's out of school <laughs> um, for Good Friday. Um, so you don't have conflicts and things like that. But um, we bring candidates in and I bring in a variety of judges all throughout those days. Some come every single day. Some only come for certain portions of the time. And, of course, we have a list of skills that each team member for cheer or dance um, have to know before they get here. And then when they get here, we do uh, little routines for sugar mocks that um, call them mini routines that they will learn from a choreographer and they perform those uh, throughout the process. And then cheerleading, they do, of course, stunning, tumbling, and we do what's called a power chant. I put them in small groups with some with returners and new people, and they have to choreograph their own chant. And it, the thing is, is that gets harder every year because you can't use a chant that we use on the sideline. You can't use the words that we use on the sidelines. I want to see I don't want to see perfection. I want to see how these kids work together and who's working well in a group. Um, we don't sit down in front of a panel of judges ever and like just sit there and score people because I want to see people mess up. I want to see how they react to that because none of, none of us are perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We are going to make mistakes. I still make mistakes at my age and being in this for 27 years. Um, but we live and learn and that's how we, we roll. And, um, 
it's a great little process. I feel like it, it works best for our program and I really enjoy that process for that. How do you identify your flyers? Do you ask them? <laughs> well, that's funny. Every girl has to be a flyer because we're a co-ed team. And so every girl has to be able to co-ed stunt. So, um, that's really easy to identify because if they've never stunned it before, you know, and I tell them you're going to get cut first round and I'll walk over and tell them individually, Hey, you know, you don't know how to co-ed stunt, go take a year. It's never too late to learn how to co-ed stunt. I actually didn't learn until I was a freshman here. Um, I made the all girl team because we had two different teams when I was here and they were two different smaller teams. Um, but I learned to co-ed stunt because that's what I wanted to do. It was, you know, my passion. So, um, I always tell them it's never too late to learn those things. Now, what about you? What about your background? Okay. So it's funny. I grew up playing sports, um, because I, that's what I did, you know, as a kid, you got out, you did things. Um, and when I was going, uh, into my junior year of high school, I decided I was going to try out for cheerleading, which shocked my parents to death because like I said, I had played five sports and lettered in five sports and, enjoyed it um but it was just something I, I, that interests me and so i made cheerleading my junior and senior year and my senior year i decided with um my best friend and cousin amy that we were going to try out here at utc and we came here and we made cheerleading our freshman year and i've never looked back since that is that is awesome now what about from a community standpoint do you guys offer clinics for that next group of Chattanooga cheer and dance. When do you guys have those? How can folks, you can tell I'm a girl dad, right? How do <laughs> folks find out about that? Okay. That's great. So we always post everything on our social media sites and probably Instagram is our number one social media site. Um, it'll be on there. It'll be on gomox.com website. Um, the kids will post it all over their social media as well, which is great. Um, normally, like I said, it's in the fall, one's in the fall and one's in the spring. Um, it varies. And I think a lot will be still kind of a little bit up in the air right now, just because of, you know, starting campus and, you know, where are we going with the pandemic right now and things like that, but it will always be posted. People can also reach out to me, um, at my email. It's Ashley hyphen Skiles at utc.edu. You can find it on gomox.com as well. Or, you know, uh, call me, I have my numbers out there. People can call me or text me. Um, but we really do try to get as much information out there as possible because, you know, we want to train the kids. Um, we also at those clinics, not only do we teach things, we also post what we will be doing at tryouts on our Instagram pages so they can learn material ahead of time and be working on that. So we want them to feel as confident as possible coming into these tryouts. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Special thank you to both uh, Andrew, Randall, and Ashley, all three, for joining us this week. And if that doesn't get you excited about uh, football season, hang on, because we got more. We're going to talk with offensive coordinator Joe Pizzo, defensive coordinator Lorenzo Ward. They will join us next week, give you a little bit of a preview of what is to come for this Mox football season. We'll try to catch up with Mox head coach Rusty Wright uh, coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Until then, make sure you subscribe. Subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate your five-star ratings and your reviews of Mox on the Mic are always welcome. Thanks to you for joining us. Thanks to Andrew, Randall, and Ashley for giving us some time this week. Until next time, so long, everybody, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.